With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And you can send messages to the show on Twitter at Go For Again. And while you're there on Go For Again, give me a follow at Go For Again. And uh, more often than not, I'll follow back. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NBA star Derek Anderson. And we're going to get Derek Anderson's take on what happened in L.A. with the Los Angeles Lakers and Mike Brown. Surprising firing yesterday. I mean, surprising, but not surprising, but surprising nonetheless because it's only five games into the season. But we're going to get his take on what happened and what is going on in L.A. Is the, are the Lakers really good enough? Even with Phil Jackson, Mike D'Antoni, or whatever coach they bring in, are the Lakers really good enough? Are they good enough? And that's a question we'll ask Derek Anderson. Also, we're going to be joined by Sergio Brown of the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts are playing some good football right now. They're 6-3. and three. They're right in the middle of the playoff race. They're playing Chuck Strong, Chuck Pagano, and they're, they're very motivated and, and play some good football. And if the, play, if the season were to end today, guess what? The Indianapolis Colts would be in the playoffs. And also we're going to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, and we're going to talk all things football with Willie Rofe and get his take on the Dunn Bowl. That's the Eagles and Cowboys tomorrow at Lincoln Financial Field. Whoever loses that game, I think it's safe to say they're done. So the Dunn Bowl will be played tomorrow. Also, um, <clears throat> we're going to talk uh, the Bears and Texans, another big football game out there. The Atlanta Falcons, can they go 16-0? and Can they go 16-0? and Roddy White said this team can go 16-0. and I don't believe it. I don't think they can. I mean, the schedule, I looked at their schedule after he said it, and the schedule is manageable. It's It's not crazy. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but I just don't see the Falcons doing it. I really don't. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons actually lost yesterday, uh, tomorrow, I should say, to the New Orleans Saints. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons lost to the New Orleans Saints yesterday, tomorrow. I keep saying yesterday, but actually tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. I really, really wouldn't. But we shall see. But I want to start 
in L.A. with the Lakers and the firing of Mike Brown. And five games into the season, the Lakers were are one and four. Were one and four. They won last night. They're two and four. Had the worst record in the Western Conference. Not really playing good basketball. Playing listless basketball, and just not really good so far. And they're trying to install a new offense, the Princeton offense. And teams have had, and I know everybody is talking about the Princeton offense, but teams have had success with that offense. The Nets, with Jason Kidd, had success with that offense. Steve Nash, not Steve Nash, um, <clears throat> you look at the the Kings in the 90s, they had success with that offense. So teams have had success with that offense. Teams have had success with that offense. But the Lakers... It, they just didn't look right. I mean, it, it seemed more than just an offense. They just didn't look right. And I'm starting to wonder, really, talent-wise, even with the addition of Dwight Howard, even with the addition of Steve Nash, even with the addition of Antoine Jameson, I'm starting to question whether or not there truly is enough talent to win a championship in L.A. I mean, the Clippers are a team that look really good so far. Could you say this Laker team could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series today? Maybe not today, but moving forward, I mean, the Clippers are a deep, deep basketball team. Could you see the Lakers beating OKC in a seven-game series? I mean, these are some of the questions you have to ask yourself. Are the Lakers truly talented enough to win a championship, even with Dwight Howard, even with Kobe Bryant, even with Gasol, even with Jameson? Even with Nash, are they truly talented enough to win an NBA title? To me, that's a question that has to be asked. That's the question that has to be asked. Now, I know in terms of a coach, they're looking at Jackson, Phil Jackson. They're looking at uh, Mike D'Antoni. To me, if Phil Jackson is healthy and is willing to coach and is willing to give it his all, I'm going Phil Jackson. I'm going Phil Jackson. If Phil Jackson is ready to coach, 100% ready to coach, Phil Jackson is healthy, I'm going with Phil Jackson. To me, that's a no-brainer. I'm going Phil Jackson. Now, Mike D'Antoni, he's a good coach. But we know what the D'Antoni system gets you. It may get you two to three rounds in the playoffs. It's going to get you a lot of points. It's probably going to give you a lot of regular season victories. But will it deliver a championship? We know what it did for the Knicks. Nothing. Now, that could be a byproduct of the talent that New York had at the time. But we see what the way New York is playing now under Mike Woodson. They're defending, and they're playing good basketball. So Mike D'Antoni probably is not the answer. To me, Phil Jackson tells me, you know what, I'm committed. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. If he tells me that, then Phil's my guy. Phil Jackson's the guy I'm going to go with, if that truly is the case, if he truly is healthy, if he truly is into what he is doing. I'm going with Phil Jackson. If the health is right, I'm going with Phil Jackson. I know what I can get with Mike D'Antoni. We've seen it before. We've seen the script before with Mike D'Antoni. We've seen it before. We've seen it before. The Lakers are not about... Western Conference Finals. The Lakers are about championships. They're about winning titles. They've been about it since the franchise's inception. 
They're about titles. Mike and Shaq, Magic, Kobe. They're about titles. Riley, Jackson. They're about titles. That's what they're about. The Lakers are about titles. Since you're about titles, you might as well bring in a guy who's won a whole heck of a lot of titles in Phil Jackson. That's the move. If Phil Jackson's healthy, that's the move that I make if I'm the Lakers. Now, who knows? Maybe the Princeton offense would have worked. Maybe it would have worked. And over time, maybe this whole thing could have come together. But Mitch Kupchak pretty much said he wasn't willing to take that risk. He wasn't willing to take that risk. And judging by what we saw last year and and judging by what we've seen after five games, I'm not so sure I disagree with him. I'm not so sure. If, I don't think I would have taken the risk. So I understand where he's coming from with that. I truly understand what he's coming from, where he's coming from with that. So the Lakers have made the move. Mike Brown is gone. And you wonder if Mike Brown gets another chance moving forward. I mean, he, he had the situation in Cleveland, got them to the finals, got them to the Eastern Conference finals a couple times, but he couldn't break through. He couldn't break through. Is it a byproduct of him or a byproduct of the talent that they have? Whatever it is, he couldn't break through. He couldn't break through. And the one thing about Mike Brown, he can coach the heck out of defense. His teams normally defend. His teams defend. Now, in terms of the offensive end, you had questions. You had questions with LeBron in Cleveland uh, during his time in Cleveland. You had questions. You had questions about Mike Brown on the offensive end. You didn't have any questions of Mike Brown on the defensive end, you know that this man can coach defense. He can definitely coach defense. I think Mike Brown's a good coach. I definitely think he's a good coach. I do think he gets another opportunity. I think he should get another opportunity. I think he's a good coach. I definitely think he's a good coach. And you wonder if he will win. It's probably not going to happen this year. But I think he definitely gets another opportunity. He definitely gets another opportunity. He's a good coach. Say what you want about Mike Brown. He's a good coach. He is a good coach. But coaches are hired to be fired. That's just the nature of the game. They're hired to be fired. And you can even argue Dwight Howard's coming back with the back situation. Nash obviously is hurt now. You can argue that that maybe you know Mike Brown didn't get a fair shake here. You can argue that. I think you can make a legitimate argument. You, I think you can make a legitimate argument about that. You can argue all those things and make legitimate arguments, legitimate arguments on all those things. But the bottom line is this. This Los Angeles team, Los Angeles Laker team, was built to win now. Nash is 39. Kobe's getting the Kobe's older, too. This is an old... This is an older basketball team. There is no tomorrow with the Lakers. Dwight Howard can be a free agent at the end of the year. So this is now. The time is now for the Lakers. It's not tomorrow. It's now. It's not yesterday. It's now. The time is now for the Lakers to win championships. Can they do it? Will they do it is the question. That's the question. 
And you wonder, what coach will they bring in? Jackson, D'Antoni, who do they bring in? At the end of the day, the question has to be answered. Are the Lakers really talented enough to win an NBA title? Are they talented enough to beat the Miami Heat possibly in a seven-game series, to beat OKC in a seven-game series, to beat the Spurs in a seven-game series? And and you, you got to put the Clippers out there to beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. I mean, one thing I say about the Lakers team, it, it looks kind of slow. doesn't look as athletic as the other teams I mentioned, as the Clippers, as OKC, as Miami. So it should be very, very interesting to see what happens now with the Lakers. How much does this firing of Mike Brown help this team moving forward? Does it even help this team moving forward? I think it does. I think it will. I think it will. I definitely think it will. And as far as the talent, there is a lot of talent on this roster. Is it championship talent? Is it enough to win a championship? On paper, you probably say yes. But in terms of just what I see out of the Lakers, what I see out of OKC, what I see out of Miami, the Spurs, um, the Clippers at this point, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was a surprising move. I mean, you don't usually fire coaches after five games. It really doesn't happen after five games. I mean, that's that's sudden. That's soon. That's very, very sudden. That's sudden. That's five games. Five games and, and it's over. Just like that. I mean, granted, you took what you saw last year as well. But five games and you made the decision that guess what? It's over. It's over. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But right now it's over in L.A. for Mike Brown. It's over. And we'll see how good the Lakers can be moving forward. Will the Lakers, will the Lakers, no matter who they bring in, D'Antoni, Jackson, no matter who they bring in, is this team truly talented enough to win an NBA title? That's a question that needs to be asked. Is this team talented enough to win a title? Are the pieces of the puzzle, are, are, can they come together? Can they come together? Dwight Howard is the best center in the game. Kobe Bryant is obviously one of the best players in the game. Steve Nash is one of the best, better point guards in the game. Pal Gasol is one of the better power forwards in the game. We got a lot of good, got a lot of better, got one, got a lot of best in terms of in various positions with the Lakers. Got a lot of best in various positions. But do we have enough? Do we have enough in L.A.? That is the question that needs to be asked. And that is the question that really, really will be answered, obviously, over time as this season plays out. But if I'm the Lakers and I have the opportunity 
to get Phil Jackson and bring back Phil Jackson, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to do if I'm the Lakers. But we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. I'm, uh, it's going to be interesting. It is truly going to be interesting. Truly going to be interesting. You're listening to Go Forward on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. And we're back. We're back. A lot of, again, I mean, the Lakers story, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, it was a Again, a surprising situation. Uh, a surprising situation with the Lakers. A very surprising situation. What happened with the Lakers? Very surprising. So soon. Five games in. Five games in. Five games in. And you fire your coach. Five games in. And you decide to go in a different direction. Five games in. Surprising. Absolutely surprising. Very surprising. Ultra surprising, no. Very surprising, yes. But you have to sit. You have to look at the Lakers and, and, and what they're about. They're about titles. They're about winning titles. And when you're about winning titles, some things are just not unacceptable. And at this point, one in five was unacceptable. One in four was unacceptable, I should say. It was unacceptable. Truly, absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. And I'm just and just going around the the NBA right now. How about the Clippers? And I've talked about the Clippers a few times, but this is a team I have my eye on um, at the start of the year and now, even now. This is a team I have an eye on. I mean, this is a deep, deep basketball team. This is a deep basketball team. A very deep basketball team. And a couple of guys that are part of this roster are still hurt. Grant Hill and and Chauncey Billups. And these guys when they 
get healthy are going to add to what is already there. They're going to add to what's already there. And I think it's safe to say at this point, I know we're only five games in, and a lot of a lot of games to be played, a lot of games to be played. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you can give, you can give the sixth man of the year award right now to Jamal Crawford. Unless he gets hurt or something, this guy is going to be the sixth man of the year. He's going to be the sixth man of the year. And he's leading this team in scoring. He's leading the Clippers in scoring. Coming off the bench. Playing 28 minutes a game. The guy is balling, Jamal Crawford. Absolutely balling. Absolutely balling for the Clippers. And right now the Clippers are 4-2, and and yes, it's still early, but this is a team that is so, so deep, and Chauncey Billups and Grand Hill are still in suits. They're still in suits right now. They're still in suits. Still in dress suits right now. We'll see. The Clippers. Watch out for the Clippers. And we're going to bring in a guy now. We're going to get his thoughts on what happened with the Lakers and what's going to happen to the Lakers moving forward. And can the Lakers, are the Lakers truly talented enough to win an NBA title? Are the Lakers truly talented enough to win an NBA title? Let's bring him in now, former NBA player, Derek Anderson. Derek, how are you, sir? How you good, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. And Derek, it went down yesterday in L.A. The Lakers fired Mike Brown after five games. The team had its struggles in the preseason, obviously had its struggles to start this season. Your initial thoughts on the move? I think you never fire someone after that type of mindset. I just think that they realized they had uh, picked the wrong coach. That coach, Mike Brown, would probably be better off with a young team like a New Orleans or um uh, maybe Charlotte, someone who he can discipline and, and teach them in the right direction. When you have a bunch of guys who are set in their ways and stuck that way, you, you can't coach them guys because you look at it and the guys who are on the, on the floor, they have to make shots no matter what position you put them in. If you play the pickup game, we don't have orchestrated rules of how you play. You just play smart and you finish the play, but it really wasn't that. It was just guys just didn't want to be, I guess, in that system. And, and, and you look at it, most of those guys are kind of stuck in their career, so they didn't want to change. And let's talk about that system. I mean, the Princeton offense, it worked with the Kings in the the 90s. It worked with the Nets and Jason Kidd. Why did this offense not work with the Lakers? Is it just a matter of players setting their ways and not wanting to to play in this particular offense? Yeah, that's all it is. It's just setting their ways, and and they don't like that. Uh, I mean, you look at it. When you look at uh, Sacramento, they understood it. They took a grass foot and they rolled. When Jason Kidd and those guys took the other way, they did it and it worked. It's just the guys have to buy into it. And after a shortened season last year and then five games this year, they just hadn't bought into it. I bet you if they would have made all those shots and have been 4-1, and one, the offense would have been perfect at that time. Right. But, again, and, and you just, know Mike Brown fairly, Yeah. You know Mike Brown fairly well. I mean, you, you, he was an assistant coach with the Spurs while you were in San Antonio. Talk about Mike Brown, the coach. 
Does he get well, another he shot? Out. Yeah, he used to call me in uh, on days off, and me, he and I used to just work on the play because I was coming from the Clippers, and you know we didn't play any defense on the Clippers. <laughs> So he actually helped me out understanding the philosophies and, and what they were looking for. But he called me, so I know he was a dedicated coach, and he's a super great person. I mean, just for him sacrificing his time would show me he was a good dude. So I just think, you know, he's he's a great coach. Like I said, I just think he, he has to coach younger guys who are willing mm-hmm. to buy into his philosophy, and that's what Popovich and all those guys' history comes from. They start them when they get them young. He got Tim Duncan when he was young. He got – all these guys when they were young, so they bought into the system. If you don't right. get someone who's willing to buy into it, you're going to lose. And, again, you look at the players, they were missing shots. They had nothing to do with the offense. They were just missing shots. And, and let's talk about the Lakers now moving forward. You're hearing names, Mike D'Antoni, possibly Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson is the direction you go in if he's healthy and he's ready to go. What direction should the Lakers go in? Well, that's the only thing they feel comfortable with is going with Phil Jackson. I think that's right. only where you're going to get the egos and to calm them down and to get the player to actually buy into foot. I mean, you look, you ask Steve Nash to give up the ball when he's been dominant and been successful dominating the ball his entire career, averaging 10-plus assists. Now he's probably getting four. He can't win like that. And I think Dan Antonio will be a good system because that's what he's used to, and Kobe will be able to fill the lane and do what he does when it's time to score and to get his 20 and Dwight catches lobs and dunks and get back to his regular self instead of posting up plays where he's getting touches, but he's really not making successful moves. I mean, he's getting his shot blocked right in front of the rim where he used to dunk on three or four people. Right. So I think D'Antonio would definitely be a good fit, but Phil Jackson is probably the better fit to calm the egos down. Mm. And like you feel, no superstars. He knows how to coach superstars, and I think he would be the guy there. And I look at D'Antonio, I know the offensive numbers would look good, and They'll score a lot of points. And, and we've seen D'Antoni at his best with the Suns, and they got to the conference title games, conference uh, finals, I should say. But they didn't get further than that. Can you win a championship in Mike D'Antoni's system? With that much talent, you got a better chance. But, it's again, it's Antonio can coach all kind of ways. But, like you said, the defensive side is where you might lack, where he switches everything. But realize this. As good as Phil Jackson as a coach, if you give him a regular team or kind of a mediocre team or just a regular bunch of guys, he wouldn't be as successful because you look at his past when he didn't have superstars, he wasn't winning. Right. But when he has superstars, he knows how to manage those guys. So you have to look at what you have. Now, if you're going to get rid of Dwight next year, get Dan Antonio, and then you guys just you know make a run at it that way offensively. But if you're going to sign him back, keep get Phil and let him develop the, the, the strategy of how to make sure them guys happy because to me, D'Antonio, he, he'll get them guys to play, but to win a championship with that much talent, it's probably a 60-40 chance that he will. <laughs> and you're hard all about the percentages. Hard to lose with all that talent. You're all, you're all about the percentages. Uh, we're talking to former NBA star Derek Anderson. And, Derek, even with a new coach, the pieces that the Lakers have assembled, Howard, Nash, Gasol, Kobe, Jameson, talent-wise, Talent-wise, even what you have in OKC, what you have in San Antonio, even the Clippers, even the Heat out east, are the Lakers good enough to win a title? Yeah, absolutely. They'll always be good enough because they have number 24. I think they always have a chance, even though he's aging, he's hurting. If he's able to finish a game and finish the season uh, a, a little bit healthy, I think they always have a chance to win a title, especially after OKC got rid of Harden. They became – 
not the dominant team anymore. San Antonio's still doing what they do, so you just never know. And uh, I like the Clippers. I just think the Clippers need to learn how to play half-court uh, offense and make, make plays happen instead of freelancing the whole game. Right. <laughs> uh but I think I think the Lakers definitely have a chance to still win it. They just, but it has to. It's up to the coach that they get if they win it all or not. It's not up to the players. It's up to that coach to maintain the discipline for the superstars. You remember when they had Carl Malone and all those guys? Right. It just didn't work. So you just have to find the, the mesh for it. Is, is it possible that could happen here? I mean, Nash, he's out with an injury. Dwight Howard to back. He's really not a hundred percent at this point. Could it be possible but that this team just ages overnight and this whole thing mm-hmm. falls apart? Yeah, if they age overnight, it will fall apart, and we'll all watch that dynasty go right down the tube. It'll be sad <laughs> to see, but that'll definitely happen. And you talked about James Harden and his trade to Houston. I understand it from a financial perspective for OKC, but from a purely talent and chemistry perspective, I don't like the move at all. How do you feel about the Harden trade? What do you feel? What, I, was it a good I move? I can't stand it. I love watching Westbrook plays. He plays with passion. But I would, if anything, I would have traded him for Ray John Rondo straight up and let Rondo make my team better because you had offense. Because if you look at Westbrook and how he shoots so much, that mm-hmm. takes away from them guys sometimes. And everyone, even Magic said it last year, like, I did not like the way he played that the, the point guard position. He's a two-guard trying to play the point where you had Harden you need Harden to, to make people respect that team. I mean, right. now if you double-team those two, it's over. I mean, I mean, I'll, uh, Martin's okay, but I don't see Martin doing what Harden did continuously through a whole season through the playoffs. And that's just how I see it. Um, I, I rather would I would have never got rid of Harden. I mean, Harden and, and um, Durant are my two guys for, for the next eight, ten years. That's my Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan connection. They will not separate. I don't like to move at all myself, and and I, let's look at it from Harden's perspective. If he takes the fifty-two million that OKC was a, apparently offering to him, he stays in Oklahoma City. You have a possibility of a dynasty, a possible dynasty in Oklahoma City for many years to come. But he decided to go to Houston and get that extra twenty-five million dollars. Derek Anderson, if you were in that position. Would you take the fifty-two million with Oklahoma City, or would you go to Houston and get that extra twenty-five million dollars? I think anybody in their right mind <laughs> would, would take the money. But the owner—I did that in San Antonio. They offered me four for twenty-eight, and Portland offered me uh, well five for twenty-eight. Portland offered me six for forty-eight, and I'm just like, well, why would I take twenty less million? And not guaranteed anything. You don't know if you're going to win a championship. You don't know if they're going to you're going to get hurt. You don't know anything. And after I took it, said, you know what? A friend of mine who was an ex NBA player told me this one thing. He said, if you get a contract, your contract goes with you wherever they send you. So if you get traded or whatever, your money stays the same. But if you get hurt or something, they get rid of you. Your contract and that money is not replaceable. So, you know, you have to make a business decision, which sucks sometimes because I've never wanted to leave San Antonio, but I wound up still winning the championship. But those are the odds are very slim. So I think anyone in their right mind in this business now, you have to take the money. Definitely. And and I said it before, I mean, he would be an absolute fool to walk away from $25 million. And unless God taps you on your shoulder and says, stay in Oklahoma City, you got to take that $25 million. (laughs) Absolutely. Everyone says it's not about money, but it's always about money. Definitely. And Derek? You're a guy doing a lot of great things right now. You got the Victory Water. You're a screenwriter. You got a book on the way. I mean, you're 
very busy man right now. What's new and exciting with DA? Man, I have two awesome projects, man. Um, I really can't speak on them, but they're going to be awesome. It's going to be with a famous uh, movie star, and we're doing an academy, uh, Life Academy. It's going to be amazing. And then the other one is going to be um, about to stop the violence in, uh, okay. in our community and the world. Uh, we're going to do a worldwide tour thing, and it's uh, it's going to be so huge. You'll see, and I'll send you a couple shirts, too. And uh, It's going to be amazing, man. I think those two things are going to be my best uh, projects yet. And what about the book? I know you're 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 working on the uh, book right now. How close are you yeah. to completing that? I'll be done in probably two weeks, and then I'll have a, a pre-orders for Christmas, and then we'll I'll do an autograph signing in the UK and February 23rd. It'll be when the first book comes out. It'll be autograph signing at Rupp Arena. We'll do a TV game against Missouri. I'll be at a Rupp Arena signing autographs for my book. Then do a two-week, uh, three-week uh, book tour in Kentucky. And then I start my AAU. I get some of these young kids and uh, travel them and take them around the world and teach them about life and, and basketball. All they know is basketball. When you take them outside of that, they need to learn to respect factors of meeting people, speaking, working, right. job grades. So I want to take about 12, 14 guys out and, you know, on a tour and just teach them about life skills while we play basketball. Now, Derek, where can we find information about all these great things that you have going on? Uh, DerekAndersonWorks.com. It'll get to you. My uh, that'll have my foundation, my movie scripts, my AAU information, my book tour. They'll have all, everything on there. It's DerekAndersonWorks.com, and it'll have Derek, everything. A, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Derek, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. And uh, again, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with all the great things you have going on. And again, go to DerekAndersonWorks.com. Support some of the great things that he has going on. He's a busy man right now doing a lot of great, great things. And, and that's a good thing, man. That's a good thing. You're, you're doing all these great things and, and you're helping people at the same time. So all those things are great. Absolutely. God God will reward all of his uh, children for helping other people. So I just want a good, li- good healthy living until it's time for me to go. Definitely. You're doing that. And, Derek, it was a pleasure having you, man. And, and let's do it oh. again and again. Good luck with all the things you're doing. Thanks, buddy. Anytime you need me, give me a call. All right. Thanks, bro. Derek Anderson, former NBA star, and it's great to get a player's take on this whole situation with Mike Brown and the San Antonio Spurs. And I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's very, very interesting to hear Derek's take on that. And just, and I want to switch to James Harden because he brought it up and he talked about how he pretty much was in a similar situation and. And how he pretty much went with the money as well. And and, I, and as I said, unless God touches you and, and taps you on the, your shoulder and tells you that, you know what, you know what, man, you you need to stay and not take the extra money, then you got to do it. I mean, $25 million is $25 million. That don't come around each and every day. It just don't. It don't. It does not. And Derek Anderson knows that all so well. He took the money. James Harden took the money. And the rest is history. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio.
you go. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And just like there's a lot of great things or some great things going on out there, there's a lot of great things going on in Indianapolis with the Colts. I mean, the Colts right now, 6-3, and three, playing some good, good football right now. No one expected the Colts to be in the position that they're in right now. The Colts, if the season were to end today, would be in the playoffs, and I don't think anybody expected that. And then you have the whole situation with Chuck Pagano. He's fighting cancer, and he's winning. He's beating it. He's Chuck Strong. This team has been Chuck Strong. And right now the Colts are in a great, great position and coming off a dominating performance against Jacksonville, 27-10. Andrew Luck was good. The defense was good. And right now the Colts are contenders. They're contenders for a playoff spot. I never thought I would say that. I don't think a lot of people would think that would be the case, but the Colts are there. And we're going to bring in a guy who's a part of that defensive back for the Colts, Sergio Brown. Sergio, how are you, sir? I'm fine, you, sir. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And, Sergio, let's look at you guys now. You go into Jacksonville. You beat up on the Jaguars. Great play on both sides of the ball. Talk about your team's performance Thursday night. I mean, we, we, we did a great job. Uh, we uh, we performed on all sides of the ball, uh, offense, special teams, and, and defense. You know, we just um, – we had a short week of practice, and um, we, we really uh, – definitely with a, young, a lot of young guys, it was real impressive to uh, to, to get through that uh, that short week and, and really uh, get down mentally. And how difficult is that short week? I mean, you're talking about, and especially with you guys having to travel to Jacksonville, how difficult – is it playing on Sunday then coming back on Thursday? You know, you know it's a little curveball definitely with uh with all the young guys we got as uh, because we got to scale it down physically and it and really be, uh, turns into a mental week and um you know sometimes uh young guys take that as a to uh, take a day off or things like that but the coaching staff did a great job uh with keeping us keeping us uh up and and getting us ready for the game. And another thing that seems to be keeping you guys up it's Chuck Pagano right now. I mean, he's battling cancer. He's winning. He's Chuck Strong. You guys have been Chuck Strong. How much has Chuck Pagano's battle with cancer motivated you guys? I mean, it's been a lot. Um, we, um, when Chuck was uh, was with the team every day, we we set out to do something, and um, and now that he's gone uh, for the time being, you know, we uh, it's a little bit of extra motivation because you know he's still uh, watching film. He's still still watching the games, he still wants us to do well, but, you know, in the back of your mind, you like, you, at the end of the day, coach still going to see this film, and you still don't want to disappoint him. You want to, um, you see he's battling something, and he, we, we're keeping him, him up, and he's keeping us up at the same right. time. Definitely, and we saw the locker room speech last week against the Dolphins. I mean, was so, seeing it on TV was powerful, but you were there. Give us your perspective of Chuck Pagano's speech in the locker room against the Dolphins after the Dolphins you know, game, I should say. Go ahead. It, it was it was great. It was uh, very mo- motivational. It was just you know um, everything we set out to do and everything that um, we wanted to do. He he came and he uh, reiterated it. It, it was just um, crazy seeing him before the game and after the game. I mean, a couple, the coaches knew he was coming, but the players didn't. 
you know, so uh, it gave us a little extra to play for, gave us a little, a little extra, uh, you know, just to, to tune into. It was, it was it's kind of, uh, I can't really explain it. It was whatever you've right. seen on TV times 10. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where you kind of had to be there to really yeah. appreciate what happened. I mean, I had goosebumps myself. Right. I mean, seeing it on TV gave you goosebumps, so I can imagine what was happening in that locker room when he was talking. And in show of support of Chuck Pagano, a lot of guys shaved their heads. But I noticed that you still got those dreads flowing. Tell us what Sergio <laughs> Brown did to support Chuck Pagano. You know, um, I, uh, a lot of kids were, were shaving their heads, but none of the guys were dreads. We, we, we didn't shave our heads, so we, it was a lot of... Uh, People messing around in the locker room, and I was like, I, um, I mean, I want to um, still, uh, I guess, do some type of sacrifice or, and, um, and and create awareness. So I, um, I, I dyed my hair orange. It was, um, I was running around Walmart and Walgreens and whatever place I could find some some orange dye because that's the um, the cause of leukemia and right. cancer. Just it's something, it's something that uh, that touches me. Me personally, because my uh, father, he was a victim to cancer. He passed away wow. my freshman year in high school, so um, I know how it is firsthand to to uh, to go through something like that, and, and it's something that that touched me dearly, and I wanted to do something to um, to create a weapon. So, so this battle is is the battle that Chuck is fighting is is very familiar to you. I mean, you've seen it firsthand. I mean, is it difficult to see again? Um, not, not, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been in the position that, um, I mean, of course it, it, it seems familiar, but it, it's, it's still totally different. Um, okay. my, my father wasn't, um, he found that kind of, you know, kind of late in the process. And, right. Uh, it was real, real hard. But with coaches is, is very strong. He, he's pretty fighting and he's already beaten it. You know, so right. um, that's on that end. It's nothing really to, to uh, be concerned about. But you know, just that um, that extra push. You you know, you you dig down deep into the to to find out, like you know, the head of your family, and in our case, our head coach is is going through something, and, and you just want to be able to be there for them, right. and you want to uh, be able to do everything that that they said that they wanted you to do. Uh, before they um, before they start going through the before they you know um, took the leave of action. Definitely, and your interim head coach Bruce Arians has done a great job with this ball club. You're four and one under Arians. Talk about the job he's done for you guys. I he's been great. Yeah, he's, he's been great. He's uh, he's real close with all the players, and he he really uh, finds a way to get get it out of us. You know, uh, I. I, I I, I play with him. I, I mess with him because uh, that Tennessee play. I say he uh, he drew it up in the dirt. I remember him, they had that, that play on like some cardboard, like a a cue card or something. They put it in like that week. They were like they're gonna run it, and shoot, they ran it overtime and it, and it worked. So wow. I mean, he 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 does a great job with just um, reading the players and, and really um, and, and getting the, getting everything out of us. You know, with him. You know, he he brings uh, Chuck's messages to to every meeting every week, and uh, he relays them uh, perfectly. Definitely, and and it shows it shows on the on the field as you guys have been four and one under Bruce Arians. We're talking to defensive back Sergio Brown of the Indianapolis Colts, and 
Sergio, your rookie quarterback, Andrew Luck, is playing with the poise of a veteran. I mean, you see it up close and personal. This guy is playing some big-time football. How good is Andrew Luck? I mean, he's doing a great job. He he, he definitely doesn't look like a rookie out there. He, uh, he's real poised in the pocket, like you said. And he, I mean, shoot, the proof's in the pudding. He's playing absolutely wonderful. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, and your guys are 6-3 and three because of it. And you play with another another number 12 in New England, a guy who's had a lot of success, Tom Brady. Do you see yeah. any similarities between Andrew Luck and Tom Brady? I mean, uh, they're uh, two totally different quarterbacks. It's, it's hard com- comparing people. I mean, definitely somebody um, that that done the things that, uh, that Brady has done. I mean, Andrew Luck is, is good and the sky's the limit. Definitely. I mean, this guy is a limit, and the way he's playing, I mean, it's going to look good for you guys and looking good for the Colts moving forward, not only this year, but for years to come. And you guys are 6-3. and three. If the season were to end today, you'd be in the playoffs. And I'm looking at you guys. You're only two games behind the Texans in the loss column, and you play the Texans twice. Are the Colts legitimate contenders? Um, I mean, we just got to keep chipping at this block and, and keep taking it one game at a time. And, and uh, if we do everything that we should do, we've been uh, a great spot at the end of the year. And we uh, we believe in our locker room, and, uh, and we just need to keep chipping away and keep fighting. And, uh, and who knows what can happen. And I said it before the interview, I'm surprised that the Colts are in this position. Six and three, I didn't expect them to be there. Coming into the season – after nine games, if I told you you were six and three, would you be surprised? I mean, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'd be mad we lost three games. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> we um, like we we came in, into the season. I mean, I came in in week one, and I, I felt in the locker room definitely with Chuck around, and how how you see the fire in his eyes, and uh, everybody, you know, at, at the beginning people didn't really um, believe too much, but. Like, as the year went on, you see all of the players buying in more and buying in more. And, and right now our confidence is, is through the roof, and, and we, we see that we can do everything that the coaches really believe we can do, and we just right. really need to just keep keep listening, keep believing, and, and keep fighting, keep touch strong. Definitely, and that's what you guys have been doing to this point. You guys go to New England next week. You're back where it all started. Any extra motivation going back to New England? I mean, of course, of course. It's, uh, it's always um, a little extra when you go back and play a, a, your old team. Things get a little personal. Um, you get to see all your old coaches, all your old friends, and you want to um, you want to go out there and really show out. So it's a whole bunch of extra motivation. You started your career in New England. You were a guy that was born in Chicago in the Midwest. You went to Notre Dame in the Midwest. Now you're back with the Colts in the Midwest, Indianapolis, the Midwest. How does it feel to be back in the Midwest? I mean, I mean it feels great. It feels great. It feels like um, one of those situations where like everything happens for a reason. Um, back in Indianapolis, close to uh, close to home, close to Chicago, back close to Notre Dame, and um, I mean, it, it feels wonderful. And um, how about them Irish? <laughs> I was about to get to those to, to those Irish nine and zero right now. A great shot to get to the national title game, and when it's all said and done, will they do it? 
I mean, it's kind of like almost the same position we in. We just really need to keep believing and, and keep chipping at that block. And, I mean, if they're undefeated, I don't, I don't see why they shouldn't be in the national championship. Me, myself, I know I'm kind of biased, but hey. <laughs> obviously, obviously. But I, I look at this team, and you got to talk about the Alabamas of the world, the K-States of the world. Could you see Notre Dame, hypothetically speaking, beating Alabama, beating a team like Alabama? I could. I could. I mean, okay. we we got an outstanding defense right now. D-line is, um, is competing neck and neck with Alabama. Uh, so okay. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see why we shouldn't be able to uh, – to uh, compete with Alabama and the K-States and the, and the big dogs of the, of the college football world. I mean, we, okay. we've been making people believe it the rest, the rest of this year, so why not uh, finish with something like that? Even after what you saw last week against Pitt? Hey, man, a win's a win. A win's a win. We just, uh, just, get, to, get, just get it done. If we uh, were to beat uh, Alabama or K-State like that, I'd I the same way. <laughs> we're talking to Indianapolis Colts. Safety, Sergio Brown, and Sergio, you've got a lot of great things going on off the field. You're doing some things with Lacer Headwear. Tell us about uh-huh. that. Um, Lacer, um, they, uh, we approached Lacer. Um, they're, they're a new company uh, starting up, and they, uh, they have some great hats. They have some great They asked me to, to uh, kind of help with it and, and, and kind of put my personality on it. So now I'm, uh, we're teaming up, and we're coming out with some hats, and I'm in the midst of uh, starting my foundation. And um, okay. and uh, trying to give back to the community, and we're gonna try to bring, we're gonna try to sell some of these hats and, and bring some of the proceeds back to my foundation. And I was looking at some of these hats; they're some decent hats, man. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're nicely done, nicely done. Yeah, they, they are nicely done, man. We just need, really need to um, get the ball rolling and and, and get these hats uh, into the U.S. Definitely, and you got some things going on with Indiana hockey. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. um, um, my marketing guy Brian, he he hooked me up with uh, the Indiana Hockey, and we are we're me and Vontae, we, we should be doing some uh, some puck drops sometime soon, going okay. out there and um, get getting acclimated to the city because we both are, are kind of new and getting our face out there a little bit more. And, um, and like I said, just trying to get back to the community. Are you about the pucks? You you a hockey guy? Hey, I'm. Uh, I, I became a hockey guy when I came to Notre Dame with all my hockey friends, and they was in the, the frozen four every uh, doing pretty good. And, and uh, I'm black. I'm from Chicago, so my Blackhawks man. I'm a Blackhawks man. Um, went to my my first uh, Blackhawks game last year against the mm-hmm. Rangers, and it was absolutely incredible. Like, a, a very electrifying uh, atmosphere. So I need I need those guys to uh, get their lockout stuff situated. Definitely, we got to get Sergio Brown on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know about on the ice, on the ice. Uh, participate, <laughs> but I, I, I show my face. I, I wouldn't want to uh, fall and um, hurt my tailbone. <laughs> you got the things going on. You're about to start your foundation. You got the laser headwear. You got things going on with the ho- Indiana hockey. Where can fans find information about all the great things that you have going on? I mean, uh, you can like my fan page on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and um, I mean, I'm I'm very hands-on. I tweet myself, so just holler at me, and I I'm sure I, I hit you back. Make sure you follow this man on Twitter, Sergio Brown. Sergio Brown, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Yep. Sergio Brown, thirty-eight. Make sure you support him. 
Follow him on Twitter so you can find out about some of the great, great events that he has going on. That Laser Headwear, it's some good headwear. So support some of the things he has going on. And this guy's about his pucks as well. He's going to be on the ice. We're going to see a Sergio Brown slap shot at some point. I mean, he's got a lot of great things going on. The knuckle pucks, the knuckle pucks. Okay, the knuckle pucks, knuckle pucks, all right. (laughs) And in terms of the Facebook fan fan page, is that also just Sergio Brown or Sergio Brown 38? It's uh, just Sergio Brown. I mean, you got to just search it in and search in the Sergio Brown. Okay. Okay. Fans support some of the great things that Sergio Brown has going on in the community. He's playing the culture, playing big time football. The Colts, if the season were to end today, would be in the playoffs, believe it or not. Sergio, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing pleasure but the best of too. luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Uh, for sure. For sure. Hit Take you care. Up in a couple weeks. Definitely. Sergio Brown, defensive back for the Indianapolis Colts. And a lot of great things going on for Sergio Brown and support some of the great things he has going on. Follow this man on Twitter at Sergio Brown 38, Facebook Sergio Brown. You can see that laser headwear. It's hot. It's some nice headwear that he is going on over there with Sergio Brown and laser. So support it. Support it. Support it, and the Colts. I mean, I, I, I'm. You know, it's hard to believe that they're six and three at this point. I mean, they are getting it done. They are absolutely, positively getting it done. They're getting it done. Six and three, getting it done, man. They're right there. If the playoffs were to end today, they would be in the playoffs. The Colts in the playoffs if the season were to end today. And I'm just looking at these playoff standings, and they have a legitimate shot. I mean, they're six and three right now. You got you got San Diego at four and four. You got Miami at four and four. Then you have a drop off at Oakland at three and five, and the Jets at three and five, and Buffalo at three and five, and Cincinnati at three and five. So I look at that and I say, you know. When it's all said and done, it's probably going to come down to eight teams fighting for six spots. And those eight teams are Houston, Baltimore, New England, Denver, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, San Diego, and Miami. So eight teams battling for six spots. And I look at it and I say, you know what? This Colts team may actually make the playoffs. And how big would that be for Andrew Luck, for that whole team, but especially for Andrew Luck first year getting into the playoffs, getting a taste of the playoffs his first year? That would be big. But I'm looking at their schedule. They do play Houston twice. That's going to be a tough. That's going to be tough games. But I think the good thing about that is they play them two times in a three-week window. So from December 16th, they play him for the first time. Then they play him again December 30th, so two weeks later. So to me, you have to say that benefits the Colts because from the standpoint that at least they can get a split out of that. New England next week is going to be tough. But they have Buffalo at home, have Tennessee at home, and they do have to travel on the road a lot. New England on the road, Detroit on the road, Houston on the road, and Kansas City on the road. So out of the next seven games that they have, four of those games are on the road. 
Now Kansas City, I mean, not a very good football team, so that's a not, that's a good road game to have. Detroit, we'll stare four and four right now, but how good are the Lions? That's a question that has to be asked moving forward. But uh, Indianapolis has a legitimate shot to get to where they want to go, and that is to the playoffs. And I said it before in talking to Sergio Brown, this team is two games behind the Texans. And guess what? They play the Texans two times. So theoretically, theoretically, and the Texans have a tough football game tomorrow, against the Chicago Bears. If the Colts can keep winning, if they can keep playing decent football, hey, you you got an opportunity because you play the Texans twice. If you can keep it close, you have the Texans twice. So in some respect, you control your own destiny. And at this point, they control their own destiny. So... It's not out of the, the realm of possibility that the Indianapolis Colts could win the AFC South. Do I think it will happen? Probably not. But is it out of the realm of possibility? No, not at all. Not at all. And look at the Texans' schedule. I mean, they have the big game at Chicago tomorrow. At Chicago. That's not going to be an easy game for them at Chicago. I think they win that game, but it's not going to be an easy game for them. They have Jacksonville the following week, but they do travel to Detroit on Thanksgiving, and that's going to be a tough place to play on Thanksgiving. It's going to be a tough place to play on Thanksgiving. And then you go to Tennessee. That's a game they should win, but then they go at New England. And then they have a sandwich in between the two games against the Colts, they have the Vikings. That's to end the season. So I, I, you could say I'm I'm a little talking out of my head here and talking a little crazy, but I'm looking at the Colts' schedule. I'm looking at the Texans' schedule, and I'm saying to myself, there is an opportunity to be had for the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South. Wow, I can't believe I just said it. The Colts could actually win the AFC South. They control. They have an opportunity to control their own destiny in some respect because, again, they have the Texans twice, December 16th and the final game of the season, December 30th. So if they can play decent football and put themselves in a position where after – Week 14, if they're in a position after week 14 where they're maybe two games out, two games out, they have an opportunity to control their own destiny on some level, and they have an opportunity to actually win the AFC South. A lot of people would never expect that. I'm one of them. I would never expect it. But, again, if after week 14, that's where they play. Week 14, they play the, t- the Titans, a team that they beat before, and a team that they'll be playing at home, a place that's been very good to the Colts. If they can win that particular game, if they can win that particular game, 
and put themselves in a position where they're roughly around two games be- behind the Houston Texans. I mean, if you're two games behind the Texans, I'm not saying it's not a long shot because it would be a long shot. But again, you have the opportunity to control your own destiny. If, if they can be in a position where they're around two games out after week 14, the Colts would control their own destiny on some level and have an opportunity. Not on some level, they would control their own destiny on if they want out. They would control their own destiny because they have the Texans twice and actually win the AFC South. Believe it or not. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Now and in this hour, we're going to be joined by our Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. We're going to get his take on some of the things, some of the big storylines in the National Football League this upcoming week. Should be interesting to get Willie's take. Uh, I know me and Willie did bet at stake on the Eagles' uh, Saints game, and uh, well, it looks like Willie won because the Saints smacked up the Eagles and 28 to 13 and. That defense, that Saints defense that couldn't stop anybody, a defense that couldn't slow down anybody, managed to hold the Eagles to 13 points. They managed to hold the Eagles, I should say, to 13 points. They held the Eagles to 13 points. And this is a defense that's been absolutely putrid throughout the course of this season. This is a defense that's been not only awful, but god-awful. And that's awful. That's awful. This is a defense, before that Eagles game, you look at that Saints defense, this is a defense that couldn't stop me, you, and and nine of my closest friends. I mean, this is a defense that just was absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. A defense now that found a way, found a way to shut down and stop the Philadelphia Eagles, hold them to only 13 points. They held the Eagles to only 13 points. This is a defense that gives up 28 points a game. 28 points a game. 28 points a game. That's a lot. And the Eagles only manage to score 13. This is a defense that gives up a lot of yardage. A lot of yardage. A lot of yardage. Defense gives up 471 yards per game, per contest. That's a lot. This defense bruised and battered Mike Vick. Bruised and battered Mike Vick. Beat him up in that particular game this past Monday night. Beat him up. Beat him up. You started to feel sorry for Mike Vick as that game went on. I mean, it beat him down. It beat him up. 
They beat him up. They really did. They beat him up. Big time. In that particular game. Beat him up bad. I felt sorry for Michael Vick. I really did. They really beat him up in that particular contest. Really beat him up. And he took a pounding. Took a pounding in that particular game. Took an absolute pounding. And the Saints won it. Again, you felt sorry for Michael Vick. You felt sorry after the beatdown that he took. I mean, they were beating him up in that game. Beating him up something bad. Beating him up something bad. And... I mean, you didn't think that Michael Vick could survive that particular game. And it was so surprising because the reality is coming into that game, the Saints couldn't stop anybody. The Saints couldn't do anything to anybody. And, yes, the Eagles put up a lot of numbers in terms of yardage, but in terms of the actual game, in terms of scoring points, I should say, the Eagles couldn't do anything. It couldn't do anything in terms of scoring points. Couldn't do absolutely nothing. They got into the red zone five times, and two more often than not came out of the red zone empty. Came out of the red zone empty. And when you're playing against a Drew Brees offense, you're going to have to score points. You're going to have to score points to be successful. You're just going to have to score points to be successful. And the Eagles couldn't do that. Michael Vick got the living mess beat out of them. And ultimately the Saints won. And the Saints have a big game tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons in a big game, a big-time football game against the Atlanta Falcons and, and, and you know, yes, and, and watching the Saints closer than I've done, watched them, than I've seen. I mean, that, that's the closest I've seen the Saints last Monday night. I watched them up close. I watched them up close, and I saw a defense that's still not that good. But I saw an offense that can put up points. And, and you've seen that from the Saints throughout the course of this year. They can put up points. The bottom line is they can't stop anybody. They were fortunate enough against the Eagles where the Eagles just couldn't block anybody. The Eagles couldn't block anybody. And the Saints were able to harass Michael Vick, sack him seven times. And ultimately they had a lot of success on the defensive side of football in terms of in terms of uh, stopping Michael Vick in terms of not letting them score points 
in terms of just doing what they have to do to be successful. On the defensive end. Are the Saints, can the Saints turn this thing around with that offense? You could say yes. With that offense, you could say yes. On the defensive side of football, what you see there, it's kind of hard to say that the Saints can turn it around. Defensive side, it's just still not good. They did get pressure on the quarterback, but was that a byproduct of the poor offensive line play of the Eagles? Or was that a byproduct of a defense that maybe is truly turning it around? Because the Saints' defense, I mean, they did give up 400-plus yards against the Eagles, and they've been giving up 471 yards per game. But they score a lot of points. They do score a lot of points, 27 points per game. So they put up, they can put the points up. And with that being said, Falcons coming to the dome, Falcons 8-0. But the Saints, with the point, with the, the, the offense they have, with the players that can put up a lot of the points, you got to look at it and say, you know what? The Saints have an opportunity. The Saints have a chance. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not going to say I'm not saying they're going to win, but what I am saying is they have a chance. They definitely have a chance against the Falcons because of the way they score the football, because of the way they score points. They have a chance. They have a chance. They definitely have a chance. Again, they're not beating the Falcons. They're not going to do it. Can they turn the season around? No, because I think after this week against the Falcons, it's all over. To me, the moment you get that sixth six loss, you're in trouble. You get that sixth loss, you're in trouble. Eagles, they still have a shot at three and five, yes. Cowboys, they still have a shot at three and five, yes. These teams still have legitimate shots to win, a legitimate shot to get to the playoffs. And the Giants... They have a tough football game in Cincinnati tomorrow. That's not going to be a gimme. I actually have the chart, the uh, the Bengals winning that game. That is not going to be a gimme game. And when it's all said and done, whoever wins the Cowboys-Eagles game, if the Bengals do what I think they're going to do tomorrow, could actually be one game out of first place in the NFC East. It's looking more and more like the Eagles, if they want to get to the playoffs, same thing with the Cowboys, if they want to get to the playoffs, they're going to have to win the division. They're going to have to win the NFC East if they want to get to the playoffs. Now, you could still argue that, you know, they're only, in a loss column, they're only one game behind the Seattle Seahawks for the sixth spot in the NFC. But they have to leapfrog Arizona, the Saints, Tampa, Detroit, Minnesota. And I'm not saying that's not possible because, I, you know, those teams, how good are, are the Vikings? How good uh, are the Lions? I mean, how good are, are, is Tampa Bay? Arizona, I mean, this is a team that's uh, lost a lot, of, a lot of games right now in a row. I mean, they started the season on fire. They've lost five in a row. Started out 4-0, now they've lost. Five in a row, now they're four and five. So, 
this is a team right now, meaning the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, meaning the Dallas Cowboys. They still have a shot tomorrow. They still have a shot. They still have a shot. But tomorrow is the done bowl. It's the done bowl. If you lose tomorrow, you're done. It's the done bowl tomorrow in Philadelphia. The loser is done. It's over. It's over. You win. If you win, guess what? You're still alive. If you lose, you're done. You are done. It's the done bowl tomorrow in Philadelphia. It is the done bowl. Who will be done tomorrow? Who will be done tomorrow? Is it the Philadelphia Eagles? Is it the Dallas Cowboys? Somebody's going to be done tomorrow. As an Eagles fan, I hope it is the Cowboys. My only concern is who's going to block DeMarcus Ware from an Eagles perspective? Who's going to block DeMarcus Ware? And can Michael, I mean, this, this defensive line in uh, Dallas is better than that defensive line in New Orleans. So who's going to block the front four for Dallas? Who's going to block them? Is Michael Vick going to get any type of time to throw the football? These are the things that, as far as I'm concerned, is very concerning from an Eagle perspective. And as far as I'm concerned, these are some of the things that maybe uh, might have you thinking about going with Dallas in this particular football game. The Eagles haven't scored the football, haven't scored a lot of points, and this defense under Todd Bowles has been worse than the defense under Juan Castillo. It's been awful, god awful, god awful. It's been absolutely awful. Atlanta went up and down the field against the Eagle defense, and now last week New Orleans went up and down the field against the Eagles defense. Now you could argue that these are two of the better offenses in the game, but at the end of the day, if you're the Eagles and you're about championships and about being where many people think you could be when this season started, if you're about that life, that championship life, if you're about that life, that playoff life, if you're about that, then the Falcons and the Saints, those type of offenses are the type of offenses you're going to see in the playoffs and the type of offenses you're going to see on the way to getting to the playoffs, the type of offenses that you're going to have to stop on some level if you want to get into the playoffs. If you're about that playoff, that championship life, then when you have an opportunity, you have to beat and stop those particular offenses. You have to stop those offenses. You do. You do. We'll see if they can. Because obviously, well, uh, we already saw if they can these past two weeks, 
moving forward, we'll see if they can shut down offenses of that caliber. Now, the Eagles, moving forward, I mean, they're a team that's had success in the NFC East over the past two years. Five and one in the NFC East last year, and so far they're undefeated in the NFC this year, NFC East this year. So, I mean, with that being said, you got some some football games left, two games left against Washington, two against the Cowboys, including tomorrow, and one against the Giants. So, I mean, the team has had success in the NFC East. If they want to uh, get back to the playoffs, they're going to have to continue that success in the NFC East. I mean, and looking at the Eagles, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for me. I'm not saying they're done. I'm not prepared to put the Eagles away just yet. I'm not. But it's close. It's close. It's close. Because I didn't like what I saw from the offensive line. I don't like what I see from that defense. And I don't know how fixable these things are at this point of the season, especially the offensive line. Your talent is your talent. Defense, you, you seem like it seems like there is talent on that defensive side of the football. It just has to come together. They're not getting any pass rush, and that's concerning. They're not tackling well, too well, and that's concerning. They're not stopping passing offenses, and that's concerning. But at the at the same time, there is talent there in terms of the offensive line for the Eagles. I don't see the talent there. I don't see the talent there. I really don't. I really don't see the talent there. It's, I don't know, and, I, and that's something I don't know how correctable it is. Uh, it is what it is sometimes in terms of talent. I don't know how correctable it is. I really don't. I mean, if you're ugly, I guess you can get surgeries, but you can only correct it to a point. That offensive line right now is ugly. It's ugly. It's just not correctable. It's not a case of losing weight because you can lose weight, you can become pretty again. It's it's a case of guys are just not cute enough. They're just not good enough. They're just not. And I don't know how correctable that is. But I know a guy they could use. They do have a number 77 on the Eagles, but instead of Bell, it probably should say Rofe. And if it said Rofe, then it would be correctable. But I don't know. That's not happening. Willie Rofe is not walking through that door in Philadelphia. So it is what it is. Let's bring in now Hall of Famer, 11-time Bowl Waller, the great Willie Rofe. Trey Thomas isn't walking through that door either. <laughs> who, who was the uh, outstanding right tackle they had for all those years, the big, big guy, white guy? Big John Runyon, he's Big not John Runyon is not walking through that door either. But I'm going to tell you what. No, I think it's a case of them being a little too cute. Not that they're not cute. I think they're a little too cute. And I think it's a lot of egos on that team, Paul. And if you really look back on it, Paul, if you mirror this season, mirror it. Last year was a lot of drama going on. They weren't playing well. And then all of a sudden, the last four weeks, they just turned it up. This team is inconsistent. They don't play up to their abilities. Yes, do they have some grand offensive line problems? Yes, they have some grand offensive line problems. But outside of that, 
there's a lot of situations where Vic isn't reading the hot. The, the guy's coming on the left side of the field. You got to know where you're hot. The receiver breaks it off down in the red zone. Vic takes the sack. The guy broke off his route. He's got to he's got to be able to throw that ball. There's situations where guys got guys running wide open down the field on on two two man routes, and he he tried to hit the long ball when he had the guy open. So there's situations where Vic has had throws that he that, against the same secondary. That's not that good, and he just didn't hit the throws when he had a chance to hit the throws also, on top of them getting beat up front a lot, which, which they did get beat. And that double A-gap blitz and some of these other blitzes, they got to pick up. But Michael Vick has got to understand where the free man is coming when they only have five rushes and being able to hit the hot receiver. Now, you, you watched the game closely last week against the Saints, and you, you made some observations there about Michael Vick. Overall, I mean, yes, he, he missed some guys. But overall, it just seemed like he took a big-time beating, and it seemed like he really didn't have time to make enough throws. Talk about the offensive line play and what you saw out of Michael Vick and the offensive line of the Eagles. Well, it's like the whole team's out of sync. I mean, when when Michael Vick isn't, when Michael Vick isn't given the chance to get the read and, and do what he has to do, the lines getting beat. When Michael Vick has to get the read and deliver the ball. I don't know what's going on in his mind if he's if he's thinking too much, but when you get hit that many times, you know automatically when you drop back you're gonna think I'm gonna get hit. So it's a combination of of uh, of of the receiver of of Michael Vick not being able to get the ball to the receiver sometimes. It's a combination of the line getting beat, and it's a combination of they're just not on the same page and they're just not playing well, and they still don't use McCord the way they should use him. And you know, and, and talking about that, there were a lot of instances in that game where the Eagles' rushing game was very dominant. They were just rushing the ball and, and running up and down the field against the Saints' defense. And uh, there was an instance in that third quarter there after the fumble, Michael Vick, after the kickoff fumble, the Eagles scored a touchdown with Deshaun Jackson. Saints come back, they fumble the kickoff, Eagles recover it. Michael Vick scrambles, Eagles get to the eight yard line. After that, three straight passes. Three straight passes in that particular situation. First and goal at the eight-yard line, with the way you've been running the football, you throw the ball three straight times. Inexcusable. And and I think that's one of the plays. That first play when they when they when they when they had five in and they brought that brought the linebacker whoever off the left side of the field and the receiver broke off the route. The inside slot receiver broke off the route and went to the left where where he is. He's got to throw that ball. Michael Vick's got to understand that they're blitzing from over there and they don't have enough blockers over there because they didn't have any backs. And then he's got to release that ball. What I don't understand is, like you said, why are you running that type of offense down there on the goal line and spread, spreading them out? And the, and the play I don't understand since I've been playing football when we used to try to do it is the several pass. It might work every now and then, but everything tightens up around the goal line. You run the several pass on your 20-yard line or in the middle of the field where you got – the defense spread out, and they're playing all kind of, you know, they're playing the pass, or they're just not trying to tighten up. You don't run a shovel pass 
inside your red zone, just like trying to run a screenplay within the 10-yard line. Everything is too compressed down there to run a shuttle pass. I just do not. And the ball can get tipped, and you can lose it that way also. I do not. I hate I hate it when the coaches try to call shovel pass or screenplay within the 10-yard line. You run the ball, run the ball, or you do play action and line up with two tight ends or whatever you want to call it, and then you get some guys out. But you do not want a shovel pass, and I don't understand why you want to spread the ball out within the 10-yard line. It doesn't make sense to me. And we'll see what happens this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And that's my next question because the Cowboys and the Eagles play this week in what I call is the done bowl. If you, whoever loses here is done. They're, they're flat out done. Cowboys, if they lose, and, and I look at the Cowboys, I look at the Eagles, and I see a lot of similar things. I mean, there's talent there, but you see a lot of bad things, a lot of undisciplined football, and a lot of bad things. Uh, I think the Cowboys are trying to look better, it from, Whether it's from Vic or Romo. Who wins the game, Willie? Who, who? I think the Cowboys are playing better. I got the Cowboys winning this week. Okay. I do not. I don't like Kendrick Moore. He's still learning how to play football. You know, he needs to work on his technique. Uh, you know, he's 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 gifted athletically. We talked about him being from up in Louisiana, where close to where I played. Uh, 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 my, my college football days, and uh, he, you know, he didn't play basketball football, but one year in college, so he's just not learning how to play football. So he's really got to focus on his fundamentals and getting better at playing football. He, he thinks he knows how to play, but he doesn't know how to play the game the way you got to play the game. He didn't start playing the game as a little kid, and he didn't play in college. So he's still learning how to play football. But outside of that, you know, he's got a lot of potential. But outside of that, I just feel like the Cowboys are playing better. Um, I like the way the Cowboys played the other week uh, when they went and played Atlanta and uh you know, with the way the with the way the Eagles look, I don't think they can beat them unless the Eagles play their best game. And the way the Eagles looked the last time they were at home, I gotta favor, favor the Cowboys in this game. And we we talked about Demetrius Jones. He's gonna be the Eagles are gonna he's gonna be going up against Demarcus Ware. So um, some of the time, Marcus, Demarcus lines up on the other side a lot of the time. Yeah. So he's right tackle. So, but if the if the Cowboys are smart, they let Demarcus run over there most of the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might might be where he goes. But we'll see if Bell steps up. I mean, it's a great opportunity, a big step up opportunity for him. But I, I, I do have the Eagles winning this game. But I can understand if who's whoever's picking the Cowboys, I can understand because I do think they are better playing better football on both sides of the ball. I think they are playing better football and. At this point, judging by what I see on the, out of the Eagles' offensive line, it's not going to get better in terms of the talent. It is what it is at this point of the season. It's not getting any better. So unless these guys get better, then the Eagles really do not have an opportunity in terms of uh, protecting Mike Vick with this offensive line. I don't, unless these guys somehow, some way get better, or unless somehow, some way they scheme better, meaning the Eagles, then it is what it is, and Michael Vick is going to take a pounding, and the Eagles and, are going to struggle. And, and you know, Paul, Paul so as long as when I played football, and especially when we were in Kansas City and we were putting up all those numbers and had the best red zone efficiency, we always had a tight end in, 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 inside the red zone. When you, especially when you get within the ten yard line, and when you get down by the goal line, we were most of the time in two tight end sets. We were going to run that ball over our best lineman. 
your best lineman, or I was pulling out on that edge, kicking that safety out of whoever out, and we were going because we, we, everybody could pull, or Brian Waters, it was a little harder for the guard to get out there on the edge with me blocking down on the three technique. Most of the time, I pulled out on the edge, but we were lined up in two tight ends, or we were lined up in one tight end formations most of the time. Now, we might shift from the tight end set on the right to the tight end set on the left, but we, you, I don't understand why you get within that in that range and you're trying to run some type of spread offense. That it, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me when you get that close to the goal line. And, and I mean, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens tomorrow in the Dunn Bowl, uh, Eagles-Cowboys. But <laughs> to, to me, if the Eagles can get it done, they're, they're, whoever gets it done tomorrow, they're in it. They're in it. They're still in it. Believe it or not, even as bad as these two teams have played, they'll, they're still in it. And that's a, that's a shock to a lot of people, but they're still in it. If whoever can win tomorrow, if any of these two teams can get themselves right, they still have an opportunity. The Giants are really not running away with the NFC East at this point. They have a two-game advantage, two-game lead in the NFC East. And I think the Giants are going to lose tomorrow in Cincinnati. I really do think they're going to lose tomorrow in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a team that's had some struggles this year, but is a good team at home. It's a good football team at home. I think they lose to Cincinnati tomorrow. I think the Giants lose to Cincinnati tomorrow. And with that being said, whoever wins the Dunn Bowl will be one game out. One game out. Now Cincinnati's had the struggles at home this year, but they haven't played bad. And they had a great shot and a great opportunity to beat the Denver Broncos last week. So I think they beat the Giants this week. But we'll see. We'll see. And, and Willie, the Falcons, and Roddy White doing some talk, and the Falcons are 8-0 right now. Roddy White says he believes that this team can go undefeated. Looking at their schedule, it is doable. I don't think it will happen, but it is doable. In your opinion, will the Falcons go 16-0? and in in, in this day and age, in this league, I don't think that's what's most important right now. I think what's most important is they keep continue to win, keep everybody fresh, continue to play good football. You want to be playing your best football going into the playoffs. If they stop playing consistently and playing the way they're playing or they get some injuries, then I'd be more concerned about that than going 16-0. and We've seen teams that have done well, especially – Look at uh, the last couple of years. Green Bay was almost right. on an undefeated season, started falling apart late in the season. Uh, you look at what happened to New England a couple of years ago when they had an undefeated season. I don't think that's really important. I do. Uh, I would hope the Saints show up to win. I just don't see how the Saints are going to be able to cover those receivers as much as I want the Saints to play well, and and I hope that Drew Brees can can and them can put up big numbers and keep up with them. I just don't see them being able to stop the Falcons when they spread the ball out. And the, what the Falcons do a great job of more so this year, last year. Last year, another year, when they went to play the Giants in the playoffs, the Giants D-line uh, dominated the game. This year, they're doing a lot better job of keeping the tight end in, chipping the back on the way out, doing different things to mix up their blocking schemes where, they, where you don't know who's going to be blocking one-on-one. And that's going to be key for the Falcons. Can they run that spread offense the way they've been doing it and continue to do it, and will the offensive line hold up? And that's been a question mark with them for the last couple of years going into the playoffs. How well will the offensive line play? And I think that's a great point, I mean, in terms of peaking. You, you look at the Packers last year, they peaked too soon. And, and down the stretch, they weren't the same type of football team. 
And, yes, undefeated is great. And I heard Michael Irvin say this. He said he would turn in all his Super Bowl rings, everything, to go undefeated and win a Super Bowl. To him, that would be more important to them winning all the championships that he won, to be undefeated, to separate yourself, and kind of be in a class by yourself going undefeated. You would be there with the Dolphins, but the Dolphins had a 14-game season. This would be a 16-game season. And, Willie, just let me just go over the Falcons' uh, schedule, which you got at New Orleans tomorrow. You got Arizona, you got at Tampa, you got New Orleans again, you got at Carolina, you got the Giants in Atlanta, and that's going to be a revenge game, so you know the Falcons are going to be up for that. You got at Detroit, and then you got Tampa again in Tampa. Not an awful schedule there. It's it's not, it's not, I, the, the, the tough games, both those Tampa games are going to be real tough. The New York game is going to be tough. Right. Uh, the Detroit game is going to be a tough game, so I don't. I don't think they end up going undefeated this year. I say they go fourteen and two this year, and uh, maybe lose two games. But I don't see they going undefeated. And even if they don't go undefeated, they're still going to have home field through Atlanta. So if they finish fourteen and two, thirteen and three, they'll still have home field throughout the playoffs. But I see them losing two games out of the last seven. Well, you, if, if you if they go thirteen and three. You could argue that maybe Chicago maybe could Chicago. get that number one spot. Maybe Chicago. But, I mean, I look at Atlanta and I, fourteen and two sounds about right with them. That, that sounds about right with two. Atlanta. Tampa's yeah, playing pretty good. good. Detroit on the road—it's going to be tough. The Giants always going to be a tough game. Fourteen right. and two, and like you said, and 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 that's a revenge game. But psychologically, the Giants punished them up front the last time they played that playoff game. So. <laughs> We, they still got to play human York and Tuck and all those guys for the Giants, who has had obviously one of the best D linemen in the last decade, have been on the Giants back when Strahan and all those guys were playing yeah. with some of these same crews. So we'll see how it plays out. But I say, like you said, 14 and 2 is a good record for them. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And Willie, we mentioned your Saints. I mean, they got that much needed victory against the Eagles. Uh, you know, their, their offense is going to put up numbers. They average 27 points a game. Their offense is going to put up the numbers. Bottom line is this, Willie. Is it possible, even with as bad as that defense has played, they they played decently last week against the Eagles, only held them to 13 points, but I, I'm not sure. There's a lot of defense in this league that have held the Eagles. Eagles only average 17 points a game, so a lot of teams have held them down. Bottom line is this, Willie. Can the Saints turn it around at this point? Not if they can't cover. Not if they can't cover. And they and, and they're giving up a bunch of play, a bunch of yards running the ball, and they gave up a bunch of yards running, and they can't cover. So I don't see how they make the playoffs. With they gave up four hundred what seventy yards last week. If they yeah. if they can't stop anybody, which they they could. I mean, how many times did the Eagles get in the red zone and not score? I mean, so so it, they they're not playing against the Eagles. They're playing against the Atlanta Falcons this week. So. They're not going to make the playoffs giving up that many points. So I say no, they don't make the playoffs. And I agree with you. I, don't, I can't – I don't want to put them away completely, but with that offense you always have a shot. But I, that defense is just so much and too much to overcome. I don't think they can overcome what you have in terms of that defense. It's just – it's not a good defense. It's just not a good defense. And Willie also, big football game in Chicago this week with the Texans and the Chicago Bears. This is a big game, big game. The Bears are playing big-time football. They're turning you over, turning teams over left and right, and they're scoring points on the defensive side of football. I look at this Bears team, though, and I, and I say this. 
can they win a clean game? And what I mean by a clean game is, okay, the Texans come in, the team doesn't turn the football over a lot. They don't turn the football over. And let's just say the Bears don't turn the football over. Can they win a clean game against the Houston Texans? Can they win a game against the Houston? They can beat the Houston Texans, obviously, because they turn people over like it's their business. But as far as I'm concerned, I think I'm leaning towards the Texans in this game. How about yourself? This is a tough, tough game. I mean, you got you got two stu- two running backs to carry the load to do a lot for the team. You got you got you got two outstanding, the best two of the best defense. I don't know what they're ranked, Paul. If you can look up what the Houston Texans and what the Bears defenses are ranked, but they're both outstanding defenses. You have two guys that can stretch the field with Andre Johnson and uh, and Brandon Marshall. Uh, it's an evenly matched game. It's going to come down, like you said, who can get who to turn the ball over. The Bears have been doing an outstanding job. Uh, I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play, which quarterback plays better. Right. And, um, you, you know, if I had to go on it, I would say that the, 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 the Bears' offensive line has looked shaky at times. I, I think the Bears will win this game at, at home, but I, I, I can see I can see Houston beating them, easily beating them. Well, not easily beating them, but I can see Houston beating them if, if the Bears get out there and with Cutler's pass turn the ball over. I can see the I can see the Bears getting beat at home. And and that's the, and that's the point. I, I I'm that's where I'm at with it because I don't I, I just don't think the Bears can win a clean game against the Houston Texans because of just what the Houston Texans offense is about. I mean, that's a big-time offense. That's an offense that can put up numbers. The Bears, I'm not so sure. you got the Texans who are ranked third in defense and the Bears who are sixth in defense. So these are two of the better defenses in football. These are two of the better defenses in football. So you figure, theoretically, there's going to be turnovers in this game. There's going to be turnovers in this game. I mean, the way these two defenses play – you got to look at it and see there's going to be turnovers. So who's going to turn the ball over? Who's going to turn the ball over more? Is it going to be Jay Cutler or Matt Schott? And, and in terms of quarterback play, and if I'm looking at quarterbacks, I don't see how I can see how the Bears can win this game. But I'm looking at quarterbacks. I got to favor the Texans. And I'm just looking at the Texans' offense. I have to favor the Texans. I think the Texans win this game. I do. I, do I, 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 I have to give the I have to give the advantage to the Texans too with, with quarterback play. But but we have Brandon Marshall who scored three touchdowns the other week, and I think with Jay Cutler and him, they're on the same page, and that 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 changes the Bears' offense because right now they didn't have that guy that can go get it. Right now they do have a guy that can go get it, and that's Brandon Marshall who can change the, the game. They have a go-to receiver, so they can make a big play. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Bears are going to win this game, but it's going to be real tough. I do give the favorite, favorable matchup quarterback wilds too sharp because what's called has been shaky, but Schaub has been shaky at times also. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real good game. Uh, I think the Bears pull it out in the squeaker. And I know, I know in, the, in the pool that we're in together, I did pick the Bears to win that game. But I, I, you can I change know, it. I just, you got till midnight tonight to change it. I'm going to keep it the same. I'm going to keep well, it the same. You talk, you talk, I'm going to keep it the same. I'm going to keep it the same, but I think the Texans may win. But I'm going to keep it the same. You I'm got to midnight tonight. I'm going to stick with, with 
what I did initially. Sometimes it's always best to go with what you did initially, that first thought. And I'm going to stick with that first thought. But gun to my head, I may think that the, I think the Texans probably will win. It's just a gun to my head. And, but I don't and, have and, a gun to my head. I don't have a gun to my head. So. And I feel so bad like you do for the Eagles. I want the Saints to pick Atlanta, and I did pick the Saints to win, but I did change the pick, and I feel so bad that I – but I have no choice with with what they're facing this week. I just think it's too much. You know, unless they get the – you know, they get the crowd, get some going and everything, but watching what that defense did, watching what the Eagles did to that defense, Atlanta could have 600 yards total offense tonight. That's I mean, tomorrow night. Right, and I would agree with you. I mean, I – I've seen that, and watching that Falcons defense, I mean, that offense, I should say, up close against the Eagles a few weeks back, that's a good offense. I mean, they have a lot of weapons the, the, on the outside. What they came out here and did to the Chargers. The What's that? What they came out here and did to the Chargers. They came up here and bust the clock on the Chargers early in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dominating football team. It's a very good football team in Atlanta, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think the one concern about them is what you get out of that defense. And is that defense good enough for them to win? And I think that's going to be the key with the Falcons moving forward. But we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. And like I said, it's a big game in Houston tomorrow, big game in Chicago with the Bears and Texans, a big football game. Uh, It's going to be interesting. That's going to be an interesting game. And, uh, again, I don't know which way to go. I did say I did pick the Bears initially. And I think I'm going to stick with that, but I would not. I think the Texans are going to win, but I'm going to stick with the Bears pick. I got to go with my first pick. I got to go with my gut. I got to go with my gut here. I got to. I got to go with the first pick. They always say the first thing that comes to your mind, you need to go with it. So I, I, that's what I'm going to go with. That's you got to midnight to change your pick. <laughs> I don't think I'll be changing it. Well, I want to switch sports with you real quickly. I want to go to the NBA. I know you're a big time NBA fan. Yesterday, the Lakers made the move. They fire Mike Brown, and Mike Brown, a guy who had some success in Cleveland, and the Lakers actually they went out in the second round against OKC last year in the playoffs, and this year they got off to a bad start. They installed that Princeton offense. That really didn't seem to vibe well, didn't really seem to, to come together for the Lakers. I know it's only five games, but do you agree with the move? I, yeah, I got to agree with you more. I mean, it wasn't. It, it was both. I mean, it wasn't just that the fact that the offense wasn't working. Hell, defensively, they look like they can't get back and play defense. I mean, they're giving up transition points. I mean, they're they're not getting back. I mean, the teams are, are shooting shooting at a high rate on them, and I mean, it, it just doesn't look like it doesn't look like the teams. You know, Kobe Kobe shooting sixty percent from the field until like until like against the Utah and. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't understand that. Well, even if the Princeton offense doesn't work, you still can play defense, and they haven't been doing that. So I, I just think it's a lot of changes with, with, with the team and a lot of new personnel, and uh, I don't understand why they let some of the players go. Matt Barnes was a good player off the bench. Uh, Sessions was a good player. You got Steve Blake and you got Steve Nash. Neither one of them can guard anybody. So, uh, you know, I mean, you got to have some of the defense being able to rotate and help out, but uh, – uh, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. So we'll we'll see. You know what happens, but maybe maybe Phil comes back. I don't want Phil to come back because I think he really can help them and put it together for them. I think Dan Tony's going to be running gun. But uh, you know, if Phil comes back, I think that'll be the best option for them to get Phil to come back and coach their team the rest of this year. I don't know how long you keep Phil, but at least he can come back and bring this 
and keep this thing together maybe a couple more years if he decides to. But uh, I think uh, when you got a coach like Phil Jackson, it's hard to replace, especially with Mike Brown having some success in Cleveland. But uh, that was centered around uh, LeBron James when they had right. those 60-win seasons. But uh, I'm going to tell you who's playing real well now that, that a lot of people don't know about because they don't know about Cleveland basketball. But that Darius Jow is an excellent basketball player. He came up in here against the Clippers with Jordan and, 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 and Blake, and he put on a clinic. And you, you just could see the maturation of his game and could, could tell he was a player that had been, had been in the league longer than Blake Griffiths. And Blake Griffiths is, is not a real athletic. He's more of a stiff doesn't have a lot of moves down low, and that very job—he's a—he's a real, real good basketball player. And to your point, I mean, Cleveland two and four at this point, but uh, you know, big victory against the Clippers the other night. And Vergeau is averaging 14 rebounds a game. He's always been that guy who's who's throughout the course of his career that has been a banger, been a guy who's mm-hmm. gotten a lot of rebounds throughout the course of his career. But I think this year, yes, he is playing a lot better. He's playing he can score. Best. He can score too. And you look at it now with the Lakers. And and I asked this to Derek Anderson, I'm going to ask you, I look at this team and I'm saying to myself, yes, Dwight Howard, yes, Steve Nash, yes, Jameson, yes, Gasol, yes, all the talent that they have, yes, Kobe, all the talent that they have. To me, I'm wondering, are they really talented enough? I mean, could you see this Laker team beating Oklahoma City in the second well, well, No, series? no, and, and another and another thing, some of the veterans wanted to come come over to the Lakers this year, and uh, Mike Brown didn't want to extend his extend his uh his rotation with his lineup. You know, he didn't he wanted to shorten up his lineup. I mean, right now in the NBA, you need quality guys. You need a bench people that can come off the bench and can play, especially in some of these games when it gets late in the season where you got depth on the bench and 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 he didn't want to do that. Other than the guys you named and 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 of World Peace run our tests, they the guys on the bench you never heard of these guys. You know, they let make they let they let McRoberts go. They they let uh uh Josh Josh go Josh go they let they let a bunch of key guys on their bench last year they were good players go and they got a lot of guys on the bench that that, that haven't played in the NBA so I mean you 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 need you always need good key vets especially when you can get them for for uh for a low price and and from what I heard Mike Brown did not want 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 to bring those guys in and I and I believe it's just the opposite when you you need. You need three or four, five guys that can come off your bench that can give you good quality minutes and make keep that keep that run going while you let the starters sit to late late in the fourth quarter when you bring them back. Talent wise, though, I look at the bench and I think talent wise, the bench is better than it was a year ago in terms of. Okay, uh, who they got? Who they got come off the bench? Jody Meeks, a guy who can shoot the basketball. Jameson, of course. You got Jordan Hill, who gave us some good minutes last year. Jordan Hill, yeah. You also got Chris Duhon as well. So I, I think I think well, we have better bets than last year. But, but I, what, the, what, what this is the problem? They, the bench is bad. Mike Brown doesn't want to use a, lot, a deep rotation, and a lot of those guys weren't on the team. So the, you got two good two things playing against you, Paul. You got a whole bunch of new guys. Jordan Hill was like you put in the new system, and then you got a, basically a whole new roster. I mean, other than Jordan Hill and Kobe and Mata, I mean. You know, what is it? you count the guys, four or five guys, that's a whole new basketball team. That's true. I mean, and, I, and I'll say this about the Lakers. I mean, with Mike Brown, I'm not saying I'm opposed to firing Mike Brown at this point because it just didn't seem like it, it was a good vibe. 
It just you just didn't sense a positive vibe there. You didn't sense that it was going to work. You just didn't sense it was a good fit. And one thing about Mike Brown, he, he's kind of he reminds me of Buddy Ryan. I would call I call him the Buddy Ryan of basketball for the simple fact is he can coach the heck out of defense. But his offenses, he don't pay much attention to it. And his offenses, even in Cleveland, you, you question the offensive strategy of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and that's I think that's the thing with Mike Brown. He, he coaches the heck out of defense, and they weren't even defending. His calling card, they weren't even defending these Lakers team. And I, and I say to myself, I'm looking at the team, they seem slow to me. They're, just, they're not as athletic they seem slow. as – And to your point, Paul, that when they made the trade for Sessions last year – that's when they started picking it up. When they played, when Sessions got traded to the Lakers, he started pushing the ball and moving the ball and doing stuff, and he was a good player for them. And then when they got in the playoffs, they they had Blake stay in the game and then put Sessions in the game. And and then they don't even bring Sessions back. So, I, I mean, you traded for the guy. The guy came, came and played great for you, and you don't even sign him back. I mean, it could also be a – I mean, you can't bring everybody back. And I, and I know Sessions got a better deal – with uh, the Bobcats, but uh, I mean, to me, I, I'm questioning, and I really truly don't know if the the, the Lakers are truly talented enough. I, I don't know if all these pieces actually fit together. And I know Dwight Howard, his back, he's not 100%, and Nash, he's hurt right now with the leg, but you wonder, Kobe's getting older, They're you old. wonder, could this whole thing just break apart? Could they just all fall apart? I mean, this thing could really fall apart, with the age of Nash, the age of Kobe, Dwight Howard in the back situation, it could all fall apart. But with all that being said, I think this is the right move for the Lakers. I think if you got an opportunity to bring in Phil Jackson, a man who's won a whole lot of championships, a man who knows how to coach superstars like no other, if you have an opportunity, I would not get Mike D'Antoni. I don't want Mike D'Antoni if I'm the Lakers. We've seen you're going to score a lot of points. You're going to get a lot of exciting basketball. You're going to win a lot, a lot in the regular season. But you're not going to win a title with Mike D'Antoni. The Lakers are about titles. They're about championships. And to me, you've got to bring in a coach who's all about titles and championships. If you have an opportunity at Phil Jackson, you've got to take him. You've got to take him. But even with all that being said, I'm not even sure that's enough. I don't think I, I think I think that I, I, like you said you know regardless they're a step slow especially back in transition defense they are they are slow they're not getting back so I mean as long as you I mean if they're a step slow uh, uh, you know that, that's I don't want to say you know that's not you you still not gonna win so and and, and to to the point uh. I would like to point out that uh, the King James got his 5,000th rebound, and when they were by two, he came down and made a shot. They put the game away uh, to finish off the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta last night. So I uh, want to congratulate him for getting his 5,000th rebound and for him hitting the game winner last night against Atlanta as uh, as uh, the Heat continued to look good. And I'm looking at this NBA, and it's only a week into it. you got to say the Knicks are playing some good basketball right now. The Knicks are right playing now, good. But, uh, to me, it still may come down to the two teams that we saw last year, Oklahoma City and the Miami Heat. Now, I picked the Lakers originally to win it, um, and I'm kind of regretting that pick right now, obviously. But it's not too late for the Lakers. I think they could turn I, this thing around. I didn't think um, the Lakers were going to be that good either. You don't think so? I didn't think they were going to be that good. I don't, oh, I don't think they're going to be that I, I good. I had my questions, and then I said, you know what, with all that talent, maybe it'll come together. 
But at this point, it just looks like it's, it may not come together. It just may not come together for this team. But at the same time, it didn't seem to come together with Mike Brown as the coach. Now, it could come It could come together with Phil Jackson as the coach, or even Mike D'Antoni as the coach. It could come together. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an exciting season. That's, that's all I know. That's all I know. And, Willie, another question pertaining to the NBA, and I didn't get a chance to get your answer on this last week, with the whole situation with James Harden. I asked we I asked Derek Anderson about this earlier in the show. Derek Anderson said he was in a similar situation. Uh, he could have stayed in San Antonio where he really wanted to stay, or he could have went to Portland and got $20 million more. Well, he chose Portland and got the $20 million more. Same situation with James Harden. He could stay in Oklahoma City, be a part of a possible dynasty, make 50-some-odd million dollars, or he can go to Houston, make $80 million, $25 million more in Houston. What would you do? Would you have chosen Houston the way James Harden uh, did and take that $25 million? Well, well, this is the problem. If you read that article, Paul, they only gave him an hour to think about it. You know, they right. they came to him with the contract, only gave him an hour to think about it. So I might have stayed. If I was in this situation, I might have wanted to stay there for that five years because I know I got a chance to win the ring. So I say I stay there. I probably would have stayed in Oklahoma City to get a chance to get the ring. $25 no, million? Maybe I would have had to go if they only gave me an hour to think about it. But, I mean, you've been playing with these guys since you came right, out so of college. It's right, a tough they, call. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's say they give you the time. Let's say they give you the time to think about it. I, I mean, $50 million is a lot of money. I mean, you, you, you know, I don't think – is he going to get another chance to be on a team that's going to play in the final? Or you know that's going to have a chance to play in the final the next four or five years? Uh, you know, I understand it's $25 million, but it's a five-year deal, whereas if you add another $13, 14000000 million to that deal, yeah, you're still missing another, you know, $10 million or whatever. It's a tough call. It's a real tough call. I think if this me and I'm James Harden, unless 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 I want to be the man, if, if I can sacrifice knowing I want to be the man, and, and he's playing great up to this point, then, then I, I try to work something out in, in Oklahoma City. Maybe, maybe not for five years. Maybe a two or three year deal. If they let me think about it, it wouldn't have been a five year deal. It would have been a two or three year deal. Well, well, I will say this, and 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 the, Derek Anderson talked about it. The money follows you. Wherever you go, the money follows you. So if he, if you sign that contract and he gets traded wherever he gets traded to, that money follows you. To me. Unless God comes down and taps you on the shoulder and says, take the 50 some odd million, I got to take the $80 million. I mean, you can't, you may not get another opportunity to make up that money. And that money, you know, I guess, yeah, championships are great, and you would know better than I do. You played in the league, you played on a professional level. You know how important it is to win. And you played in some losing situations throughout the course of your career. A lot you of know losing. about it. You, you know about it. But at the end of the day, you still cash the check. <laughs> you, you, you're still cashing the check. And to me, yes, there are no guarantees. We don't know if Oklahoma City would be a dynasty. We don't know if they'll ever get back to the finals. I think they would. I think they would have with James Harden. But we don't know. Anything can happen. But one thing is, is, is true and certain. $80 million is guaranteed to go into your pocket. 
it, it, so he'll take home about basically he'll take home about fifty of that, forty five, fifty of that. So basically we're saying <laughs> the contract he was gonna get in Oklahoma City, he's gonna take home no state tax, about fifty mil. Right. Over so, the five years. Or six years. I think it's kind of a no brainer. But it, well, I, I don't say it's a no-brainer. Let me take that back because you can't say it's a no-brainer because happiness sometimes, well, happiness more often than not trumps money. I mean, he, I mean think about it. He's in Oklahoma City I mean, or, or Houston, which the cost of living in bad. So $50 million, you know, in, 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 in Oklahoma City is a lot of money because you spend $500,000 in Houston in Oklahoma City, you're going to have a mansion. So, you, you know, I mean, I think he, I think he's set regardless of either contract. He's just got more. He's got more toys with the uh, with the contract he signed in Houston. He can buy a lot more toys than he would want to buy That's than he can in Oklahoma City. Let's say that twenty five million can buy you a lot of different things. Can buy you a lot of toys. Can buy you a lot of different things. I mean, the the guys are living on private jets every time he wants to fly. So they could, and and you could also argue that twenty five million could give you maybe twenty five additional million more women if that's what you're into. Or they can buy you a lot more kids, and they can buy you. If you don't, but if you don't want a championship ring, you can get one made that looks just like it. That's true. True. (laughs) Twenty five million can do that. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting debate, but you know, I. I mean, I don't know. I mean, on the surface, you look at that money. Money, you know, you can't. You may not get another opportunity to make an additional twenty-five million dollars. You may not get that opportunity again in life. But at the same time, you could be a part of history, a part of a dynasty, and you know that's good too. But does it pay the bills? It does. Fifty million is going to pay the bills too now. Fifty million is paying the bills. So, but anyway. We have seen cases where fifty million has been exhausted by certain people, but you know that's a, that's another story for another time. Willie, real quickly now, we got to get your top five, top five teams in the National Football League as we speak. Who are they? My list is changing some, um, just because of the way they're playing right now. I got you got to have Atlanta number one; they're undefeated. You got to have Chicago number two. I don't know why I didn't have them in my top five last week, but they are. They got the most turnovers defensively in the National Football League in the history of the league, almost going into the nine weeks with eight. Where they got eight touchdowns or eight, you know, whatever touchdowns, turnovers for touchdowns. Something like that. Uh, I got the San Francisco 49ers number three. I got the Denver Broncos number four. And I have the Pittsburgh Steelers number five. You know, they're playing good football. Seems like they're playing well. Uh, did you say the Texans? I don't have the Texans. Wow. See, I, w- I, I would go. With, I would agree with you with Atlanta. I would agree with you with Chicago. I would even agree with you with San Francisco. But I got to get the Texans in there at some point in that top five. They got to. They got to find a place. Well, in that top five. I mean, I, I would. I had to take. Uh, you know, I had to take Denver or Pittsburgh out uh, well, of the top five. And, uh, I, would, I, guess, I would take. I would take Denver out. And have and have, like and have and have and have the Texans in Pittsburgh. I have the Texans and I, I can live with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I would even think about Green Bay over Pittsburgh. But I really, I really do like the way the Steelers are playing right I, now. I just don't, I just don't want it. I, I want, I don't want an NFC heavy. I want to put a, a little bit of AFC in there. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but we'll see. 
We'll see. Willie, as always, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. And as always, let's do it again. Go Eagles. Well, I, I, I would love to see the Eagles do well, but I just think that's a sinking ship, and, and this has been a pattern. Paul, if you look at it since last year and uh, where, where they did the same thing, and uh, I think – but I will say this. I think Andy Reid's gone – I don't know if Michael Vick's gone next year. Maybe he restructures. I see Michael Vick being back on that team with all those weapons next year. Uh, maybe they get a new coach, but I see Michael Vick coming back. It, it depends on the coach. Yeah, it depends, it on, depends the coach. on the coach that they hire. Because they, they do have a promising rookie behind Michael Vick right now. Nick Who's Coles. a rookie, though? I, 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 if, I'm a, if I'm the coach, I'm a, usually a coach comes in, he'll keep, unless Michael Vick just goes totally in the tank the rest of this year. That if Michael Vick starts playing better football, Usually, a veteran coach will want to keep. I mean, a, a coach wants to keep a veteran quarterback there, and then see how the rookie does before you just get rid of him. Maybe he has to restructure, but I see Michael Vick coming back next year. And we'll see, Willie. As always, a pleasure. All right, thank you. I want to thank Sergio Brown for stopping by. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sergio Brown thirty eight. Also, want to thank Derek Anderson for Derek Anderson for stopping by. Follow him on Twitter at Derek L Anderson. Also, go to his website, DerekAndersonWorks.com. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for again For everybody here at go for it. see you later. Take care. Bye. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.